expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. This is Taiwan Talk. This is Taiwan Talk on ICRT. Activist groups in Taiwan got a taste of success last year when the anti-media monopoly campaign helped scuttle the acquisition deal of Next Media. And since that time, a number of protest movements have steadily gained momentum. Joining us now to discuss the developing movements, J. Michael Cole is a former deputy news chief for the Taipei Times and is currently working as a freelance journalist in Taiwan. He's been covering these groups for the past year and a half. J. Michael Cole, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, of course, Taiwan is no stranger to protest movements. There's always a, a little bit of rabble-rousing going on around town. But in the last 18 months, we have seen an increase in the intensity and, and the pitch of what's going on. What do you see as been some new trends in the last 18 months or so? The main difference that I've observed is the fact that the protests have, got, have gotten a lot more sustained. In the past, you would see a, a protest campaign. Uh, it would last for a few weeks, maybe a few months. Then either they succeeded or not, and then it would disappear, and you would never hear from those individuals again or, or the groups. What we are observing now is uh, over about 18 months, we've seen the emergence of a constellation of uh, issue-focused civic organizations, and they have been tremendously persistent, both in terms of showing up on the streets and protesting a number of times, and also being very, very much on top of the issues by attending public hearings, trying to get access to the legislature when there are meetings discussing those issues and all that. So they're basically, they're not going away, and their numbers are slowly, uh, slowly growing, and the organizations are cross-pollinating. So it, it's becoming more of a, of a holistic pressure group targeting government policy. What are the sorts of people that have been protesting? Has it been increasingly more students, more educated? What, what are the change in the demographics? Uh, it is very much uh, groups of students. Uh, they tend to come from the top universities in Taiwan. Many of the leaders are graduate-level students at NTU, NCCU, and other top universities. Uh, more and more, they have been interacting with uh, academics uh, well-known academics from, from top universities in Taiwan, as well as getting support from a variety of uh, NGOs here in Taiwan, again, depending on the issue. And uh, starting last year, they have been getting a lot of support from, uh, from lawyers who have provided pro bono services as well. Can you introduce us to some of the groups that are more active now and talk a little bit about the issues that they're taking on? Mm-hmm. One of the main uh, organizations that we will be hearing a lot more uh, about in the next few months is the Black Island Youth Alliance, which is predominantly targeting the cross-trade services trade agreement that was uh, signed in China back in June, but has yet to be passed by the legislature here in Taipei. The organization has been getting a lot of support, again, from uh, Taiwanese uh, economists, uh, from NGOs that uh, support the sectors of the economy that stand to lose if that agreement were to be passed. And lots of lots of students as well, graduate level, who are almost on a weekly basis, have been outside the legislature trying to get access to public hearings, or many times being denied that access and being expelled by, by the police. Another major organization whose emergence made a bit of a splash last year was Citizen 1985, 
their main issue initially was the treatment of soldiers in the armed forces and the death of a uh, of a conscript under rather mysterious circumstances back in uh, back in July they were by far the most successful group in attracting large numbers of people of the three protests that they organized last year the second one uh, attracted a quarter of a million people on Ketagalan Boulevard everybody wearing white t-shirts carrying placards with that bleeding eye that uh, that really really managed to draw attention overseas as well which is not always the case with protests in Taiwan uh, land eviction issues are going to be uh, a major problem again this year uh, last year we saw the Huaguang community being demolished here in Taipei there were a series of protests over that issue there were of course the demolitions in Dapu and Miaoli County that became a nationwide issue as well especially when some people ended up losing their lives and again series of protests sustained almost every week almost every day outside the executive yen outside the uh, ministry of uh, the interior economic affairs can you tell me a little bit about the form that the protests are taking what are the tactics that these people are using a term that we started seeing a lot more of last year is guerrilla rather than the large dpp organized protests we've gotten used to over the years those tend to be smaller protests involving maybe uh anywhere between 50 and 300 people uh gathering outside the government agency holding placards again as i said trying to get access to public hearings and all that generating publicity uh, going around the country educating people distributing pamphlets creating their own uh web pages uh, increasingly uh using english as well so that uh foreign readers or foreigners here in taiwan actually know what is going on when you see photos of protests or if you drive by a protest so the tactic is rather than having one big protest that generates a bit of publicity and then everybody forgets about it the following day what they do is why not have a series of smaller protests over whether it's weeks or months uh, sometimes it's almost been more than a year and just keep the issue alive keep hammering it and make sure that the government agencies involved cannot ignore you they have not gone violent despite what some uh, government officials officials have said if you compare the type of protests in Taiwan with the protests that we see in China or in South Korea or the Philippines or Thailand uh the protests here are extraordinarily peaceful the worst that we have seen is people occupying the grounds outside the ministry of the interior for one night and affixing stickers on the doors and spray painting what turned out to be beautiful graffiti on the ground but nobody gets injured nobody uh is thrown objects at so instances of people getting injured in Taiwan are extremely extremely rare What do you think has made the formation of all these groups possible? What 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 do you think accounts for the new energy that these groups are finding? I've spoken with a lot of young Taiwanese who now realize that Taiwan may be approaching a point of no return. A lot of them have lost faith in uh, the two main political parties in Taiwan they've become very cynical and realizing that whether it's the Kuomintang or Mintingdang or KMT or DPP a number of the legislators are simply not they believe uh, working on their behalf 
or ignoring issues that are of relevance to their to their lives, whether it's revisions to uh, education manuals, again, forced evictions, the economy. Uh, a lot of Taiwanese are saying, well, I don't even know if I have a, a future in Taiwan because I see all those pressures coming from China. Uh, the wages have been stagnant for about a decade. So my opportunities are, are very narrow. I don't have a foreign passport, so I'm stuck on this island. Uh, if I don't do anything to improve Taiwan's economy or social issues in Taiwan, ultimately, I'm going to be stuck with that. And the older generations, again, they argue, are not doing that job right now. So there is a loss of, of, uh, of belief that the existing political parties or the current architecture of government, uh, the belief is that they no longer are meeting their needs. And they said, well, we don't have a choice. We need to organize ourselves. How has the government responded to these uh, protests so far? Uh, there's been a bit of panic. Law enforcement has, on a number of occasions, overreacted. They have tended to uh, act in certain ways that went counter to the regulations. What they are not used to is that more and more the activists are aware of their rights as citizens and of the laws that, that regulate uh, protesting. Mid last year, one-fifth of all uh, lawyers operating in Taiwan, there were about a thousand of them, uh, signed a letter and uh, offered pro bono assistance to the activists and NGOs whenever they face law enforcement or court summons uh, or fines and all that for their actions. And more and more we're seeing that the police is trying to do things that actually is illegal under under the current constitution. They've been dra dragging their feet revising the Assembly and Parade Act that would make it easier for people to take to the streets to, uh, to protest and express their opinions. The government so far has not been uh, very responsive. Again, uh, shutting the door on allowing those individuals or organizations to attend public hearings uh, or filling the seats at public hearings so that people who actually know what they're talking about uh, are unable to attend. There have been instances where at a public hearing, the police was inside the room. It would only turn their cameras whenever the activists or the local residents were speaking. But when the corporate interests or the government agencies were making their points, the police would turn off their, their cameras. So there is this underlying intimidation as well uh, from the law enforcement authorities uh, that on many occasions tend to side with the powers that be rather than, than the little man and, and ordinary citizens. Can you point to any instances where the protest movements feel that they have gotten a success? The major success in the past 18 months would be the uh, movement against the uh, media monopoly, which was uh, sparked by the attempt by uh, Chai and Ming of the Wan China Times Group to acquire Next Media media operations here here in Taiwan. Mr. Tsai, as we know, is the wealthiest individual in Taiwan, made his fortune in China, and has often been accused of using his media to promote policies that are more favorable to China or to censor any uh, news article that tends to be critical of China. So obviously there were uh, worries that his acquisition of uh, next media operations, including uh, Apple Daily, would weaken Taiwan's media environment. Uh, there were a series of protests again and public campaigns. And uh, several months later, Mr. Tsai decided to pull out because it, the, the issue had gotten too uh, poisonous or too noxious to, to his image. 
and that was widely seen as a as a success by uh, by the movement. Another more recent success, but this is still a work in progress, is the Black Island Alliance, which has uh, put enough pressure on legislators and government that they have yet to pass the legislation that would allow the implementation of the cross-trade services trade agreement. It was expected that it would be passed by December last year, and uh, they are nowhere near achieving this now, so we'll see how, how much longer they, they can last, or if they do decide to review it case by case or pass it as, as a whole like, like the ECFA a few years ago. You talk about a constellation of movements and a constellation of actors. What's the trajectory that you see this all on? What, what do you expect to see in the near future? We're going to see more of the same for for a while. I doubt strongly that the groups that we have seen in the past 18 months will give up. Uh, they have shown themselves to be very resilient, despite criticism from the government, despite criticism from uh, criticism from society, uh, despite criticism. Some of the student leaders have parents who are really not supportive of what they're doing, saying you're causing trouble, you're hurting your chances of getting a good job later on. Uh, this might be an echo of the white terror era in Taiwan, where people were discouraged from becoming political. They're also fighting another social phenomenon in Taiwan, whereby the majority of people seem to be happy with what they have. Uh, the little contented life, as long as you can afford your latte, as long as you can go to school, as long as you can buy the latest iPhone or latest iPad uh, and go to KTV on Saturday nights. There is no uh, social incentive for, for the time being for larger numbers of people to become involved in politics and possibly become troublemakers. So I, I expect the next 12 months we'll see more, pretty much more of the same. Uh, maybe is the size of the movements might grow a little bit uh, because after all they have been actively recruiting people across the, the country going to universities and in the past few months I have seen new faces uh, young young individuals I had never seen before and they are being educated they are being groomed some of them are now emerging as, as leaders as well so but I do not expect this year at least to see something more more dramatic or, or more more drastic than we we've seen recently. Uh, on the road to 2016, if uh, things do not change and if we start seeing even more pressure from the Chinese government on the Mengzhou administration, who knows? We might see something a little more muscular, if you will. J. Michael Cole is the former deputy news chief for the Taipei Times and a current freelancer working in Taiwan. J. Michael Cole, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Talk. This week, we'll be adding an additional interview to the podcast edition of the show with activist Ting An Lin. Make sure to check it out on our website or on iTunes. You can let us know what you thought about the show by leaving a comment on our Facebook page or by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. This lets us know what you're thinking, and it helps other people discover the show. For ICRT, I'm Keith Menconi.